Konnichiwa. And howdy, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And welcome to Sumo, Sumo Kaboom. Kaboom. Where we talk about all things sumo. Yeah, that's right. And this week, we are going into uh, the Waka, the Waka Takakage family. That's right. The Waka family. <laughs> all the Waka boys. All the Waka boys. And the reason we wanted to do this is because... Well, initially, the the first thought was Wakataka Kage will be going up into Sanyaku right. for this next tournament. <laughs> and, and we just th- named, like, his whole family after him. Yes. The Wakataka Kage family. That's really like, what we did. He's actually the youngest of the brothers. Yes. But uh, he's the one who's way up in the ranks. Yeah. So we're going to talk about his grandfather, his father, and him and his brothers. So we have a lot to cover here. But before we do. Newsflash. Okay, y'all. Asanoyama's punishment was handed down this week. He got a six basho suspension, a 50% cut in pay. When he emerges after a year, which kind of makes it's amazing. Me, it's amazing. He he might even come in lower than when he originally started sumo. He's going to be wrestling like 12 year olds. <laughs> He comes back. So how do you remember how long Abby's suspension was? Was it five or four? No, I think it was four, three or four. Okay. Yeah, so it's worse than Abby's. <laughs> and um well, you know when he does come back, he will just zoom right back up the ranks. Yes. Yes. But wow. But wow. I'm just sad because it's just like I love him. And he just told a lie, everybody. But okay, so here's the deal about the lie. Okay, so Heads rolled over this. Yeah. Not just, not just his. Yeah. His old coach, officially retired, Nishikishima, also known as former Ozeki Asashio. And because? Well, he violated the rules of lockdown himself. Yeah. So yeah. he was breaking rules. And then the new Takasago Oyakata, he was fined 20% pay for three months due to his lack of oversight and the whole Asanoyama situation. And what Asanoyama did was he basically went out 10 times, I think each, or he just went out before January, March, and the May Bashos. He went out a lot. He did. And he went out, you know, enjoying life, but he went out with a reporter, right? He, yeah. He went out with a reporter and even the reporter got the axe. And then and the, the reporter's boss. The, yes. The sports Nippon Shimbun, he, he also took a cut to his pay and the managing director of the newspaper they also took a pay cut i know did the taxi driver lose his job did these poor hostesses at the club get a cut in pay there were so many people that got in trouble for this because there was a lot of like no 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 if if we match our stories we'll be fine well yeah and asanoyama deleted texts like and everybody tried to help him cover up for it all which kind of makes me sad that I don't know. It's like if he was surrounded by people who were doing the same bad thing, they all got punished. But it's like, I, I don't know. It's just like six bashos. Do, do you feel like it's too much? I do. Oh. I feel like it's a three or a four. He did come clean. He just lied horribly. <laughs> well, and he went out. He put other people's lives yeah. at risk. That is the That truth. is what I keep coming back to. Yeah. And it's only a year. And he is healthy. This is going to be a test of his mental strength. Yes. And I hope after he comes back, he's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not effing around now. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make my way up to Yokozuna. I'm a serious boy now. Yeah. I am very serious boy. Okay. You know who is not so serious is Ura 
talking about what he's eating these days. I know. His, his McDonald's. <laughs> yes. He's I been eating a lot of McDonald's. His this rationale. This is the kind of article that I love. I do too. But his rationale for what he eats is kind of, it's just so innocent and stupid and I love it. So he basically says he gets 40 grams of protein from a double cheeseburger from McDonald's. So why not eat eight? Well, right. And so he says it's like, the easy way for him to get the protein <laughs> and he, he also gets morning like morning breakfast sandwiches he gets like 10 <laughs> a day he buys 10 of them to eat as snacks and each one of those sausage McMuffins has 15 grams of protein so he's like i know it's not very healthy but it's working has he never seen supersize me he, he said there's no other way to really get that much protein and i was like yeah <laughs> Well, there is. It's just not as exciting as a double cheeseburger. I will say I do love a McDonald's cheeseburger. I never get it. I can't remember the last time I got it. It is a Franken food. I am aware. It is effing delicious. Oh, I, I love have... a quarter pounder with oh, cheese. Oh, God, not me. Well, my you're first... way past it. But well, like, no, I no, remember no. it. It's I... such a sweet, like, oh. No, my first job ever was at McDonald's. Oh, at age 16. I did not remember this. Yes, I was a party girl at McDonald's. Wait, wait, wait. A, a what? Par- a party is that like a girl. Cocktail? <laughs> it is like the kitty birthday party party girl. So you're in charge of the <laughs> birthday like parties. It's naughty for the kids. in a way. It does, but it's not. But it's not. It's completely innocent. It's like blowing up balloons and making sure everybody has a yeah. happy meal. Yes, exactly. Okay. okay. But ever since then, I have never, ever been able to eat at a McDonald's well, because I know what happens well, behind the Well, you saw the how the scenes. sausage was made. Yes. And that was enough to make me go, never in my life will I ever eat at a McDonald's. Oh, man. I love McDonald's. (laughs) But I... Don't eat there. I do go and get a Coca-Cola because I think that a fountain soda is so good every once in a while. And McDonald's has a different... um, Disneyland and I think McDonald's have different formulas for Coke in their machines. And I think that that's why I like it so much. It's probably extra sugar. You know what? I still wouldn't do it. The only thing I would eat at a McDonald's is their, is it the McFlurry? Yeah, I would have a McFlurry. That's it. That is it. Because I've seen people spit into the <laughs> Coke machines. No, no. Yes. Maybe that's the secret sauce that's making it so yummy. <laughs> Maybe so. It's only a dollar. That's a little spit in there. Oh, well. Okay. Next. There is a big old national competition this weekend in Austin. It's going to be a big, exciting deal. We haven't really talked too much about it. We know it's on the calendar, but it's just like here all of a sudden. So what's happening is all around the country, wrestlers have been practicing. They are flying into Austin this weekend, and they are going to be duking it out for national championships. And y'all, we're going to be there. We're going to be there. We're going to be there. And guess what we're going to be doing? We're going to be bringing you some of the highlights in the best way we know how to, comically and probably way off. But um, (laughs) we're going to do our best to sit there and uh, interview some people. And we will be bringing you some content, hopefully, if we're not too crazy busy from this weekend. So that's going to be a lot to look forward to. You can find the live stream, I believe, on uh, Dark Circle Sumo. You should be able to watch it. The event is sold out. Yeah. You can still sign up to compete. So that would be a great so way to get a go. ticket. So just say you're going to compete. Yeah. Just become a sumo wrestler to go watch some sumo. That's right. So I think uh, if you guys want to have some fun this weekend, check this out. This is going to be America's best. We know some of these wrestlers. They are amazing. And it's going to be so exciting to see them in person. I'm looking forward to it. 
Um, it's going to be hot as balls in Austin. That is one thing to note. So if anybody is coming down, just bring your skivvies because that's about all you're going to be wearing. Yeah, bring your swimsuit. Hopefully get in the water afterwards. Yeah. Shall we jump into the meat of our podcast? Yes. All right. So forgive me for what I'm about to do, which is to give you a really bastardized version of some Chinese Japanese history. Okay. Okay. But as I researched Wakataka Kage and the Waka brothers, the Waka brothers, as I researched their grandfather, because a grandfather was a big time sumo wrestler, his story to me was really interesting. And there are some serious mysteries in it. Ooh. And that's what sent me down this rabbit hole of going, wait, what? Wh- I don't get, I don't understand this, which sent me more Wikipedia pages, more articles about the history between China and Japan, which is very complicated and not very beautiful. All, um, with the, all wrapped up all into wrapped the story of Wakataka Kage's grandfather. Yes, yes. Wakabayama. Sadeo was his name. Wakabayama. 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 Hence why we have the Waka babies. Yes. He was born Sadeo Iwahira in Beijing, China. Okay. So this is where it started. I think to Japanese parents. He was born in 1922. So as I researched this, I just, I really couldn't figure out why the hell they're in China in the first place. But upon looking into it all, I'm going to try to explain a little bit. Okay. So, is this going to have something to do with a war? Uh, yes. Okay. A couple. Okay. A couple, yeah. Okay. Anyway, Japan had not really been much into immigration, meaning they wouldn't allow their people to leave to go to other countries. One reason being they wanted to protect their citizens from foreign governments, and they didn't really have the power to do that once their citizens left their country, right? They were also a bit snobby at the same time. They did not want perhaps their unskilled poor workers going to other countries and like they didn't want them to be treated as like unskilled laborers. Okay, so they had kept Japan's doors closed. I know that sounds really harsh to say. They didn't want people coming in and they didn't Didn't want people going out because they didn't want people to have a different perspective of what a Japanese person was by perhaps the people who wanted to leave the most, who were unskilled workers, who were just trying to make money outside of the country. Okay, so it had closed its doors mostly since the 1500s. And people then just kind of stayed in Japan and they had lives and they had families and they had babies and more and more people kept being born. So (laughs) this became a for hundreds, hundreds of years, hundreds of years, more and more babies were being born in Japan. That's right. And you should also know that throughout all of this, Japan was a hugely nationalistic country because they didn't allow immigration out or in. Yeah. What they knew was Japanese they didn't culture want to and ruin their bloodlines. Well, right. But you know, when you think about what Japan is today, the cool part is the culture that has maintained so strongly throughout the centuries. So there is good and there's bad with it, you know? What you get is really preserved traditions and, and culture. But anyway, they had been making this country full of people that only knew Japanese culture and not much about other cultures. And they friggin' thought everybody else should be kind of living by a Japanese standard. So it should also be said, I'll go back to this, that Japan, like years later, was having a really big overpopulation problem. Okay. Okay. So to maybe 
allow themselves a little bit of easing that burden, they started invading other parts of Asia, like China. Oh, so you can go out of Japan, but only if you invade. Well, because they were having issues financially, they they had had a number of little samurai wars that had kind of really um, devastated rural farmers. Mm-hmm. They had uh, they were just in dire straits, and they had a lot of people. Well, and that's what you did in those days, right? This you is what everybody your right exactly. Yeah. So they went over to not China. saying it's right. No, not saying it's right at, no. the, at all. But that's just. You know, that was in style. Yeah. <laughs> that was all the rage. <laughs> all then. the rage. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe me of all people is doing a history lesson. This is so terrible. But anyway, they went into China and they conquered Manchuria. And that is a kind of a country north of China, south of Russia. Parts of modern day Mongolia would be considered part of this okay. area. This is way before the Manchurian candidate. candidate, which I never saw. Oh, so good. Is it? Yes. Well, I have to watch it. Okay, so there were also some wars in there. There was a first and second Sino-Japanese wars. That was 1894, 1895, and then in 1937. This is all Japan invading China. And and Mongolia. Well, but then they inched down to Korea. Okay, so now that they're at the border of Manchuria, they keep inching down into bigger and bigger cities. And Beijing, Shanghai, all of these cities kind of were invaded by Japan, taken over by Japan. It was a major invasion. And they sadly raped and pillaged all over China. Um, So once they conquered a lot of this area, especially Manchuria, they had a gateway to get their Japanese people into another area where they could live and Japanese civilizations popped up and people stayed there. And this wasn't just in China. This is also Dutch Indies. They kind of went a number of different places and settled down. And they're like, this is where we'll be. It also should be noted that the reason why they did this is that with that control, they were able to open up trading routes and then therefore relieve some of their financial problems that they were having back home. Well, yeah. I mean, the Roman Empire did it. Yes. Yeah. So it seemed to work. This is from Thailand to Korea and beyond. So that's my really shitty history of why I think Wakabayama's parents were in China in the first place. Okay? So... Because they followed along one of these possibly trade routes and said, we'd rather live over here than on the island. I guess. Okay. Well, the Japanese government actually got involved in actively immigrating people out to these other places. Okay. So, you know, I don't necessarily know if it was voluntary, but it was certainly at some point maybe encouraged or helped by the government saying, oh, would you like to go establish a Japanese colony over in China? Anyway. Okay. So here's the part that's kooky about it. He was born in Beijing in 1922. This is his grandfather? Yes. Waka Takakaki's grandfather. All the Waka boys. Okay. He was separated from his parents as a small boy, and he could not find them. Okay? Like, just got lost in the market one day? I have no idea. That's the mystery of it all, is going, okay, there were wars. Like, he was born in 22, so his parents could have been there. there. He was living in Beijing. There could have been tensions. There could have been war. There could have just been, yeah, he got lost at a market. It's not like people had cell phones or to he, be like, I need to find my child. Or it could have been thrown poverty. In a cart you and, just, like, somebody stole him away to China and said, I, you're coming with me? I like, how old? He, I don't know. And just like the story of Jesus, there are years in there that were like, <laughs> We just don't know what happened in his adolescent years. Okay. It's, we don't know who raised him. He just, his parents disappeared. Okay, so. Did they die? 
Well, this is why I went down the rabbit hole of figuring out what was going on in the country at the time so I could see what would be the possible reasons you would just not... I mean, was he intentionally abandoned? Right. Food poisoning? Did it take out his whole family, but not him? I don't know. But he said he was separated from his parents. And Hmm. it wasn't disease, because here's what he did. Years later, there was like a sumo tour that came through the area, and he joined the sumo tour. Uh, he, he thought at first, okay, no, this may not be for me. He went off to Korea and worked in a dry goods store. And then it was like two years later, he eventually came around to the idea of joining sumo. And the main reason was he thought his parents had gone back to Japan. That's what he thought as a little boy. So he joined sumo to get on the sumo tour to take him back to Japan. Oh, how sad. Isn't it? He was recruited by famous Yokozuna, Futabayama. He joined his stable, which at the time was called the Futabayama stable because he was an active Yokozuna and he was also the coach. Oh. Yeah, that practice went out of style soon thereafter and it became the Tokitsukaze stable. Um, So he wrestled and he did pretty well. He wrestled under his real name and the reason why he wrestled under his real name was to, to find his yes, parents so that his parents would like know that he was wrestling and at the time most of these people they all had shikona they'd never wrestled under their real name so he was one of the first people to wrestle under his real name for the sole reason that he might find his parents or they would find him please tell me this ends well well <laughs> please tell me he finds them someday <laughs> Okay, so I can't say it ends well, but I can say that he did very well in sumo. Okay. He went up the ranks, about two ranks per year. He started in 1942. He was in Makauchi in 47, no, 46, he won the Jirio Championship. So in 47, he joined the Makauchi division. He adopted his new Shikona then, which was Wakabayama. Wakabayama? Yeah. Sorry, I said that like a robot. Um <laughs> But prior to that, he had been (laughs) wrestling under his real name, which is Iwahira. Because that's what my Japanese always sounds like whenever I take my classes. Anyway, he took his new name yes. from his new coach, who was the active Yokozuna, and it was a big deal at okay. the time. Yeah, yeah. And he also was wrestling. You're still so laughing at my so robot. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it in. Okay. He bumped around in the Maegashira ranks from 47 to about 51 when he finally reached Komusubi rank. <laughs> It's the look on your face when you do it. That's so funny. So that was, in 51, his official highest rank. He wrestled in the Maegashira rank and file from basically like 13 years. He retired in 61, but he spent 13 years. That's like, how long has Tamawashi been in the high rank? I feel like it's the equivalent of like... 47 years. (laughs) Tamawashi is like 67, (laughs) and he's still rank and file crushing it. But he fought from 48 to 60. That's how long he was as he was a Maegashira. He never won a tournament, but he did get four gold stars, Kimboshi gold stars, and one outstanding performance. He And he made it up to Komosui? Yeah. He was 5'8", and he probably looked a lot like his grandsons. They say he was about 207 pounds. Oh, no, he's lighter. Known also as a technician, uh-huh. Ashitori, the leg grabs, uh, Shitatanieri, which is twisting underarm throw. He also is known for having excellent footwork. 
And then after he retired, he adopted the elder name of Shikoroyama Oyakata. I did that better than a robot. And he coached until he was 65 in 1987. So he had 26 years of coaching. Okay. So even though the boys were born in 91, your granddad is like lifelong wrestler and a lifelong coach. And he died in 2001 when the boys were 10, 8, and 7, I believe. When his boys were? No, his grandchildren. Now his... Okay. So... Yeah, so he had... He had a son. No, he had, I think, a daughter, because it's a son-in-law who also wrestled. And his name was Musashi Onami. And he wrestled in the Tatsutagawa stable. He fought as Wakashinobu, and he reached the highest rank of Makushita 51. So he clearly was not as skilled as his yeah, father-in-law. so his daughter married I a think. sumo wrestler well, says, that is the father of the Waka, yeah, no, Waka boys. No, it says specifically son-in-law. But they got the genes from mom, too. She must have some sumo genes right, in right. there, too. But if I'm understanding correctly, it's his daughter that married another sumo wrestler, and that sumo wrestler is the father of the Waka boys. I believe. Okay. Now, the granddad, he also opened a Chankonabe restaurant. He died in 2001. But did he ever find his parents? So this is the part of the mystery. Like, I don't know. I found an article that said that his mother died in China. So it's only one source I had. I actually went to John Gunning and I was like, do you know the end of this story? Yeah. Because I've got to know. Like, it would have mentioned it if he ever reunited with his parents. So I think the heartbreaking part of it is he never did. He only found out maybe that his mother died. Who knows what had happened to his father? It's a real mystery. The, the happy part of it is... So John Gunny didn't know that? No. He said he never met, or at least as far as he knew, he said they never met Whoa. up again. But the good part of the story it's is like that... Oliver. <laughs> yeah. Like a, it's just like Oliver. It's just like the musical Oliver. Yes. Uh, just set in the world of sumo. Just like it. Okay. But yeah, but he had an incredible career in sumo. So there is a silver lining, you know. He started his own family. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, they're all incredible wrestlers. It's just, it kind of like breaks my heart that like, that's the way it started. But then a lot of things start in tragedy. But could yeah. you imagine your entire life fighting in hopes? This is like th that your parents would find you again. Well, what I think is it's like amazing. Annie. It's like Annie. It's like Annie. <laughs> <laughs> what I think, I'm a, I'm a silver lining type person. What I think is really cool is that if you're a young kid and you have lost your parents, that there is a place where you can go. You can go into the sumo world and be taken care of and be part of a sumo family and start over again. Right. He That's had amazing. food on the table, a roof over his head. Yeah. He was taken care of by the sumo world. I'm sure he was. And he a, gave back. Yeah. I'm sure he was either on the streets like Oliver or in an orphanage with Miss Hannigan's. <laughs> Miss Hannigan. It really is the Miss Hannigan story. It's just, or the Miss Hannigan story. It really is like the Annie story because. But he never the, found his was, daddy war box. Well, but that's sumo. Okay. Sumo okay. is the daddy the war box. box. <laughs> daddy war box. <laughs> It's an incredible story. We, we can pull anything into the world of musicals. <sighs> we can. It is an incredible story. And I apologize for anybody who is a real Chinese, Japanese historian. I know I bastardized it, but there were a lot of things going on in the time. Yeah. And when there are crazy things going on in the past, 
people do crazy things or people die or people get separated or people die of famine or they have to make really tough choices. And I think that that's what really interested me about his story is that this kid was a survivor. And because he had that survivor mentality from whatever trauma he was dealing with in his childhood, it made him primed and ready for the difficult world of sumo in which he succeeded at. And all for this beautiful reason of reuniting, which may not happened, but it still had a had a beautiful end to me. I don't know. Nice. Or I'm or I'm crazy. No, I like it. Well, I'm just gonna take you from that story on to the Waka Brothers. <laughs> or Wakataka Kage, whose real name is Atsushi Onami. Or let me see if I can say it more robot ro- robotically. Atsushi Onami. 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 Which is the dad's name. It's the dad's name. Onami. Mm-hmm. Is the family name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wakataka Kage is at sushi. And currently right now, if, you, if you're not that familiar with who he is, he is shaped very much like a fire plug. He's this like smaller, stouter wrestler, like nothing shakes on this guy anywhere. He's, He's just fierce. all muscle with a very, very round face. He's almost 5'10". He's like 5'9", 5'10". Mm-hmm. So that's on the shorter side yeah. in the sumo world. He currently weighs about 280 pounds and he's 26 years old Okay, right now. So just to help you get a picture of who he is. But to uh, understand more about him and his life, we have to go back. Oh. We have to go back in history. To even understand his Shikona, his name, we have to go back to his childhood. Okay, so imagine this. 1994 in Fukushima, Japan. He's born December 6th, 1994, as the youngest of three brothers and he's born into that sumo family that we know about now his of course granddad dad now the whole family runs a chanko restaurant called chanko wakabayama one of these kids will probably take over this chanko restaurant i mean it it supposedly has you know tagatas on the menu it's got pictures on the wall so it's, it's kind of like goya right it, no it's in Fuku- well actually i don't know where the chanko shop i just no, assumed I know it was what in you're fukushima talking about. It, no the original one was in nagoya then they moved to fukushima oh, and then okay. opened up the yeah. that that one that's there yeah. now i picture it kind of like you know the new york deli that has like all the headshots on the yeah. walls and stuff like and that Tagata? yeah i picture that of the sumo world so it's like Tagata on the back of the menu and there's like pictures of sumo wrestlers all over the walls. Everybody who eats here is like really into sumo. They all get together. They watch sumo together. So he's born into this atmosphere, this New York deli sumo type <laughs> atmosphere. This is the way I have to understand it. But he's surrounded by sumo. Like he's he's got these big brothers who are much bigger than he is and they're practicing at the local doyo, um, training all the time. And his older brother's love 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 making fun of him that because he's so small he's such a teeny guy he teens. and uh they steal his frozen pocky sticks i love pocky yeah me too there was a great interview in japanese of all three brothers and it's really fun because they have this really i don't know if it's a chummy relationship but you could tell that they have spent their entire youth making fun of each other and like playing practical jokes on each other they were like sharing stories about like who got hit by a car that one time oh, no. on his bicycle <laughs> and of course it was wakataka kage who fell off the loading dock and they were like oh wakataka kage always cries he's like the littlest one who 
who we can never leave alone by himself because Please he always cried. Yes. But they've always been pretty tight as a family is what it seems. He is still the smallest of the three brothers. So imagine he's got these, um, yeah, he's got these two older brothers who are practicing at the doyo all the time, bigger than he is, loves their sumo. So, of course, in elementary school, he's like, oh, I should be doing sumo, too. Of course. So I he, understand this as the baby yeah, of the family. There's I, three of us. Yes. I, like, I want to do what you guys are doing. Exactly. So he started his sumo in first grade in elementary school as a really little kid. He also trained in judo as a little kid after his elementary school days. So he's been wrestling his whole life. Um, He wrestled in national sumo competitions as a kid. He never, ever got past the first round, though. He was just like a little bitty shrimpy kid who didn't do so well, but kept trying. He had a big heart. Yeah, all the way through elementary school, through junior high. Imagine being the little one of the family and you're probably getting shoved around and made fun of all of those years. And then your oldest brother goes off to join the professional sumo world after high school. Um, His oldest brother went off to the Arashio stable to train. Time goes by. It's still you and your one older brother. And then in 2011, the Fukushima earthquake and tsunami happened. And Mm -hmm. they're in Fukushima. So... He has to evacuate. I don't know where exactly in Fukushima he was. Mm. So he had time to get out before the tsunami hit. So he was evacuated. And uh, where they sent him, him and his his middle brother, the, the one that's a little older than him, they sent him to the sumo stable. So he, he went there to the sumo stable to have a place to go. So he got a real intro to what sumo stable life is like and honestly i think that's very cool that the stables were like yeah send them we'll take care of them no problem so that was in 2011 he was he was about 16 years old when this happened and he said honestly he was really scared when it happened and he will remember that day for the rest of his life imagine being 16 no you know and and you go back home their sumo doyo was completely demolished Uh, by the earthquake and by everything that happened. Um, I didn't read that anything happened to their home, so perhaps their home was safer, but there would have been a lot of destruction in the town when you came back. I'm sure it would have been a very unsettling time, and it remains a big deal in his life. And still, you know, he really wants to show his hometown pride because of what they went through. What they've gone through, yeah. Yeah. So after he got back home, uh, he went through high school, In his third year of high school, he did really well in sumo, and he won the All-Japan Sumo Championship in his weight category, and he won the World Junior Sumo Championship. So by the end of high school, he got dramatically better in sumo. He was ranked second nationally in his lightweight class. Wow. So he he was at the top. And by this time, both of his older brothers had gone to the same stable to train after high school because they were big. And they were like, yeah, we could do it in the sumo world. Yeah. But Wakataka Kage or Atsushi was like, I'm small. I'm probably not going to do well in sumo. I like sumo, but I'm going to go to college instead. So that's what he did. He went to college. He did collegiate level sumo, but he also said, you know what? Maybe I want to do other things. He went to study law. What? Yes. Law and business and did sumo training on the side. And he also dated. And after a series of really fabulous performances in college level tournaments, he, by the end of college, was like, well, I have a choice to make. I'm doing really well in this college level sumo. 
I also really like law and business, but you know, if I'm going to do sumo, maybe I should go for it. Yeah, now's the I'm time. Here. So that's essentially when he decided, okay, I guess I'm going to join the same stable that my brothers are at yeah. because I've lived there before. Why? Do, I mean, we could all just stick together and train at the same place. It's got to be easier with your brothers there, especially if yeah. you're lower ranked that you're like, at least at the end of the day, you have your family next to you yeah. doing crap stuff around the stable, but still well, you've got your siblings. Yeah. And actually remember that rule. Like if you do well in college, you can go in at a certain right. level. You're not starting from the very, very bottom. Like when his brothers went in, they had to start at the very bottom. Yeah. But when he won those championships in college or he did so he didn't well. He have to clean toilets. Yeah. He just started at the Sandamne uh, level. He didn't start at the lowest one. Mm. So that actually might have really helped him out. So when all three of them got there, the Oyakata at the stable said, you know what? Three brothers in the same stable. This is pretty unusual. I'm going to give you some names that somehow honor your brotherhood and what you've gone through. So he gave them the names that go along with the parable of the three arrows. Mm -hmm. Do you know about this one? I read about this. Well, do, do you want to share it? No, you can. no, no. I didn't write it down. But yeah, I saw that it was <laughs> sourced from a parable. Yeah, sourced from a parable. Um, also probably used in a Kurosawa film, Kurosawa mm -hmm. film. Or Kurosawa. Kurosawa. We all we just learned in our Japan training that it's been Kurosawa all these years. Our Japanese lessons or our Japan training? Oh, both. <laughs> training in our, Japan. Our training for when we go to Japan. Our Japanese lessons. Yeah. It's not wrong, but yeah. it's not exactly right. Not exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's we all just part of our Japan training. We just learned that we've been saying Kurosawa incorrectly our entire lives and we're trying to correct that. But anyway, this scene is in a Kurosawa film. Imagine this. There's an elderly gentleman and he's got the long gray beard. Is that the grandfather? Yeah. Well, no, in the movie I don't know who it is. I think it's supposed to be their father okay. in the movie okay. anyway, in okay. the Kurosawa film. But the, uh, the parable is, you know, an old man goes to his three sons. He gives each one an arrow and he says, break it. And they each break their arrow. And they're kind of looking at their dad like, what are you having us do? I don't get these it. These are perfectly good arrows. Yeah. Why are we? <laughs> someone has spent a lot of time working on these arrows, dad. And you're having us crush it. Doesn't make sense. And then the dad gives each one a set of three arrows and says, try to break these. And they can't do it. Oh, because it's the strength and the, the three strength together. And the three. So if they work together... And they hold their clan together, their family together. If the brothers fight together, they will be stronger. That's the essence well, of the parable. that's lovely. Yeah, it is. It's a lovely lesson that's still taught in schools. And, you know, the legend is still known in Japan, as far as I know. In your Japan training. In my Japan training. <laughs> and it was the source of this Kurosawa scene in in the samurai in the samurai films what i'm saying is the names of the brothers in the parable are takamoto motuharu and takakage so what the oyakata did was say hey let's put waka in front of the three brothers names so it's waka takamoto waka motuharu and waka takakage which is a tip of the hat to grandpa the waka, the waka. yes it is and by the way, I found out that the brothers really love the fact that nobody can get their names straight. They think it's hilarious. <laughs> and they really appreciate the Shikona for that reason. Because people come in and they're like, I don't know which one I'm talking to. The Waka Mo. They love it. So let's talk about the youngest one. Wakataka Kage is the youngest. He's the one that's done the best. Interestingly, the oldest brother has done the worst. 
mm-hmm. and the middle brother is kind of injurio in in you know like hanging out in the middle there. Mm-hmm. But Wakataka Kage debuted in March of 2017, and he quickly rose through the ranks. He made his jurio debut by May of 2018, so just a little bit over a year. He was in jurio. He rose a little bit slower in jurio but won his first promotion to Makauchi, the top division, by September of 2019. By November in 2019, he had won his first four bouts in that top division, but then he dislocated a joint in his right foot. He had to withdraw for the rest of the tournament, which meant he had to go back down to Jurio for a couple tournaments. But that was okay. He put two kachikoshis back-to-back together pretty quickly, popped right back up to Makauchi by May of 2020 but then the may 2020 tournament was canceled because of covid so he was like i'm back up again and i can't compete so by july 2020 he finally finished his whole first full tournament in the top division and he did well he got 10 wins and then in september 2020 he did even better he got 11 wins at the top level so as a result he was promoted to migashira like very top of the migashira ranks and then caught COVID. And Ugh. I don't know if you guys remember, but this stable where he was in, a lot of people caught COVID. Yeah. The hairdresser caught COVID. Like 15 guys from the stable all caught it. He was actually hospitalized for a few days. He lost his sense of smell and taste for two weeks. He said it was pretty awful, but he survived and uh, came back March 2021. He finished with a 10-5 record, which earned him his first special prize at Maegashira 2. And then the following tournament, he, at Maegashira 1, got a 9-6 record, and he earned his second technique prize. So the combination of those two is what's going to pop him up to Sanyaku in the next one. So personally, you know, now that you know a little bit more about him and his brothers, Mm -hmm. their grand plan all together is to all be Sekitori at the same time. So they're all trying to all pop up and fight at the highest level all at once. They say that is what their plan is. Amazing. It is a good plan, isn't it? Well, also just thinking back about, I don't know, just the grandfather who didn't have a family. And then to know that two generations later, that's what the whole family is all about, is the strength of the family. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. And food. I mean, Chanko runs deep in that family. <laughs> yeah. This is a kid who grew up on Chanko. And they're survivors. Yeah. With the tragedies of their past, they're like, nothing's going to stop us. We yeah. have each other. Exactly. We can make it through anything. Yeah. Just like Annie. Just like Annie. <laughs> a little bit about his personality. Everyone agrees, including dad, that Wakataka Kage has a, quote, unyielding personality <laughs> and hates to lose. So maybe that says why he's doing so well. I mean, if you're a small guy that hates to lose, you're going to just make sure you never do. He is married. And he has, this was so funny because every time I opened a new website in Japanese and would translate, he had more and more kids. But I think by the end of it, I figured out that he has four kids now. What? So he's 26. Yeah. Got married in 2018, I think. May 2018. Met her in university. She is a quote unquote caregiver. I don't know what that is. Well, that means she takes care of her kids. Oh, so she's a stay-at-home She's a stay-at-home mom, maybe. Maybe that's what that means. Yeah. Yeah. He's busy. Yeah. Her name is Sana. 
And yes, yeah, she takes care of their four kids while he wrestles. I just like logistically can't like figure out how that happens. And also well, like... And his quote is, uh, his quote is, I got married in May 2018 and have children every year. So it will be difficult to give birth and raise children. So, yeah, they have a kid every year, essentially. How does he sleep at home? Well, he probably doesn't. And that's probably why his hobby is watching movies, because he gets a bit of a break from the kids at home. Yeah. He's got four little ones. All under the age of, like, four. Yeah. I mean, how does that happen? Oh, God bless him. Right? His blood type? Oh. 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 <laughs> he does not like vegetables. Uh, that's going to be a problem. Yep. Particularly peppers and tomatoes. So he would not like Mexican food, I guess. And he is trying to put on weight to be able to wrestle at the highest of the top division. He says he says he will need to overcome his dislike of vegetables in order to put on more or weight. Or he can just follow the Ura diet and go just to McDonald's. go to McDonald's. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Honestly, I like watching Wakataka Kage fight. They say he's he's a belt specialist. He, he's a migiyotsu specialist. So right hand inside, left hand outside. He usually wins by Oshidashi, which is the push out, or Yorikiri, which is the force out, or push out from behind, Okuridashi. And I think particularly with that third piece, it shows how fast he is. Yeah. And that's why I love watching him because he has perfect balance. It seems like it's perfect. He comes in, he has that perfect lean. It's not too far over so that he can be pushed down. It's like just right. And he gets in low and underneath his opponent or he slips around back behind and is behind them before they know what to do. So he's strong and he's fast. Mm -hmm. just it sounds like he's reminiscent great. of the way his grandfather fought. Very similar. Yeah, it really does. A technician, incredible footwork, fast. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, yeah. But just imagine the next time you see him fighting. This is a father of four very small children. God bless him. Who knows? Maybe he's like, I'm going to go sleep at the stable tonight, honey. You take care of the kids. Whew. I got some sumo to think about. Or maybe he thrives in the chaos of it all. Yeah, Who knows? maybe. I don't know. But imagine, you know, after sumo, he could probably go back to law or he could go back and run the family Chanko business with his business degree. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him. If you're like me and you have trouble with those names, mm -hmm. like remembering who is who, um, just remember the name of the brothers. Like, remember, you're just going to put a waka in front of every mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. So Takamoto, Motoharu, Takakage. Okay. With a waka in front. But the Motoharu is the middle kid. Yeah. So M. the M. Yeah. So I knew that one, but I Motoharu. forget the oldest one. Yeah. Takamoto. It's like half. Yeah, it's half of Wakataka. Yeah. It's it's parts of each one. <laughs> Moto, waka Motoharu. Wakatakakage, Wakatakamoto. So it's Takamoto is the oldest. It's still hard to get them straight. <laughs> I know. It really is. All right. So is that our style of sumo here at Sumo Kaboom? Yeah, it is. Come back next week when we'll be talking more about the sumo that's happening in Austin, Texas and in the United States. That's right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for all the love you send our way. We really appreciate it. Until next time. Sayonara. See y'all later. <laughs>